You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, and today we have Tamika Spaulding joining us again, but this time all the way from Port Sorrel, which is up in the northwest of Tasmania. So welcome, Tamika. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's good to have you back with us. Last week you were down in the studio sitting next to me, but this week you're remote. Uh, But it's good to have technology that means that we can continue recording your story, uh, which was titled last week... Finding Love and Purpose, and that was part one. We've got uh, a couple more uh, episodes to go in your story, so uh, we hope the listeners who have heard your last week's story will uh, benefit from today's program as well, which is part two of Finding Love and Purpose on our series called Connecting the Dots. So, uh, Tamika, last week we learned a little bit about you. You came to Tassie first in 2004. Um, You uh, told us about how during that year of volunteering on the Pinnacle of Terror um, that you uh, found some interesting things in particular. You uh, had some amazing experiences of finding a husband, eventually a husband, should I say. Uh, But uh, (laughs) you did uh, have an interesting exercise in, in finding a man. And uh, you also shared the fact that um, uh, you are interested in writing and writing novels and things like that. Or you, tell us a bit more about that writing. Actually, you, you've got uh, in your notes here writing why a novel. Just tell us a bit more about that again. Well, I uh, a few years ago I started. Um, well, I had a story in my mind, and so I thought it's about time that I write it down. And I wrote it as a, a children's picture book. Um, book, so it was a short story. And then uh, I entered it into a competition called Amiga Writers. Um, and yeah, they actually gave me a scholarship for that, that book, but then they gave me some advice and said, um, we, we think that you should turn that into um, a book that's perhaps for an older audience. And mm-hmm. so I started writing it for young adults. And so it's, it's, it will be an allegory. Um, it does uh, tell the story of Jesus, and okay. um, yeah, it's slowly, slowly being written. So we're waiting for that to uh, be finished and and get published somewhere. Yes, and uh, that will be awesome to to read that one day. Now uh, you shared your encounter in Tasmania in meeting Luke, your husband, and uh, you've now been married for quite a few years, and you've got some children. Uh, just tell us briefly about that. Yes, well, uh, only in a few weeks' time I'll have been married for 16 years and, uh, yeah, we love each other just as much as we did when we first got married, so that's a good thing. That is. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we have four children and so I've got two children in high school now and one in primary and then one still at home with me. Uh, Yeah, so that's... That's us. That's us in uh, in Port Sorrel, where you live. Yes. Um, now, you've got some hobbies, and I think you mentioned uh, last week that you've done uh, some music teaching, um, but tell us a little bit about your hobbies before we get on to our main program. Well, I do love to play the clarinet, um, any woodwind instrument, really. 
it's not something that I get lots of time to do these days, but I do try to make time to, to get onto the clarinet. I also have a piano in my lounge room and I occasionally get a chance to write some songs and sit down and, and have a play on that, so I really enjoy that as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, if you want to catch up on last week's episode on Finding Love and Purpose with uh, Tamika on Connecting the Dots, you can find that on faithfm.com.au website or you can use the Faith FM Australia app, which you can get from the Android App Store, the Google App Store, or the Apple App Store as well. You can download the apps and you can listen to all of our past episodes. So last week's episode was Finding Love and Purpose Part 2. Now, we need to get on to this week's uh, story um, or stories, I guess, uh, Tamika. Um, just tell us uh, a little bit more, uh, again about where you came from and uh, where you're going today with this story. Well, last week I shared probably more about um, relational romantic love, mm. which is always good good to find. Uh, but today I actually wanted to talk probably a little bit more deep and meaningful about uh, love love itself and um, not so much on the, the romantic side, but more on how we love one another and how we love God and how God loves us. So, yeah, that's where I'm, I'm heading today. Okay. And at the end of last week's program, you basically had decided to stay in Tasmania because uh, um, with the unlikely event that uh, God seemed to put in place all of the things that you said you would need in order to stay in Tasmania, which was, I think, a car, a job, uh, somewhere to live, and uh, a boyfriend, I think, was was uh, was what was required for you to keep you in Tassie. And, of course, all of that happened and you stayed in Tasmania. So, yeah. so uh, tell I'll us. I put that request out, and yeah. uh, within, uh, yeah, with only a very, very short time, I had all of those things. I had a phone call um, to teach at one of the schools that we'd been working for uh, during that pinnacle of Terry year. So I began um, working at that school, and then I moved into a home where I billeted with a, a wonderful family in Penguin, and so I stayed with them. Uh, the school principal that I worked with organised for me to begin a Bachelor of Education via distance. Mm -hmm. So I was teaching three days a week. Uh, I was teaching grade 10, uh, well, kinder, right through to grade 10 of uh, music theory classes and music history classes and a concert band. And then I'd go to uni um, at night uh, and also yeah, during different parts of the day and, and study a Bachelor of Education. And I also had a car. The Pinnacle of Terra car became mine. So I had a place to, uh, a car to drive around um, place to place with. And yes, I had my husband um, who now was riding around in his motorbike that I'd originally not wanted anything to do with. And yeah, he... He, uh, yeah, he'd come and visit me quite regularly. Mm. And probably just to, to share on with that story is um, in 2005, so not even 12 months after we started dating, he sold that motorbike. One day he came to my house and he didn't have the motorbike. And I was later to discover he sold that motorbike, which was his pride and joy, because he had designed and made a engagement ring for me. That, so that's, uh, that was nice. That's a pretty big thing for, <laughs> for a guy who loves his motorbikes. <laughs> yeah. And I was uh, up at your place uh, recently and I saw that he still has a motorbike, um, but so he must have got another one at some point. 
Yes, he did. When uh, yeah, when my son was very, very newborn, and we brought it back from Adelaide. Um, yeah, that was that was a task in itself. Yes. Mm. Now, um, in your relationship, uh, you've got some notes here. Love was a tricky thing for you. Um, tell us just a little bit about uh, you know some of the challenges that I guess you have before we go to a break. We've got a couple of minutes. Just share a little bit about um, what. Uh, what of the what were the challenges that you faced in your relationship, but also I guess understanding God's love as well? Yeah, I think when I often tell my story of how I met Luke, it comes across as very easy for me, and I think that God allowed things to be lined up in a way where that part of of it was easy, and I think that's because God knew that love for me is quite a difficult thing. I grew up in a home uh, with a family member who was sexually abused when. When they were young, and so as I grew up, um, because of the way they they understood love, and you know they struggled with their own um, self worth and value and their importance, um, it was really hard for them to to teach me. I think and instill in me a very confident, um, you know, having confident self worth and mm. and having you know value and seeing value within myself, and so I was pretty, um, yeah. Love was was tricky, and I think I had one person when we started dating that that said to me, "Luke is such a, a nice guy, uh, you know, he wouldn't know how to break up with you even if he didn't love you." Mm. That and, must that must have really <laughs> challenged you. you that's know, hearing a, that. It's a sentence that, um, unfortunately, you know, still can play in my mind at times mm. now. Mm. But yeah, definitely, it 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 opened a door for that insecurity to come out and think, you know, Luke and anyone who knows Luke, Luke is a wonderful, genuine, caring, God fearing person, and he is so lovely. And I thought maybe this this sentence is true. Maybe I should, um, you know, test test the waters, maybe I should give him an out, maybe I should allow him permission to break up with me. And so, you know, the beginning of, of, of that relationship, I did a lot of that testing to see, you know, is it, is it is real? he going to break up with yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> so, is, yeah. Is his love for you real? And uh, now um, this is going to lead obviously into what we're really talking about today, which is to do with the love of God. Um, but we might come back after the break and uh, and get into that in terms of how that connects. This this first song I think is is really good for people who may struggle with what love really means and what it means to be loved. This is JJ Heller. What love really means. He cries in the corner where nobody sees He's the kid with the story no one would believe He prays every night, dear God won't you please Could you send someone here who will love me? the world. 
to Tessie and Callers on Faith FM. And today we're talking with Tamika Spalding on the topic of finding love and purpose, but we're on part two because last week she uh, shared her journey to Tasmania and in that journey she found her relationship with her future husband, uh, Luke. So you met Luke in Tasmania. Uh, eventually you got engaged, you got married, you were just sharing how that uh, happened with uh, Luke selling his motorbike. Um, tell us a little bit about the early days of your married relationship and uh, and what happened after that, Tamika. Yeah, well, we were talking just before about um, the security or not the security I didn't have in in love, mm. and I did marry Luke. And I remember there was a moment that God brought me to um, one day where I was marking some dates on the calendar, and I was questioning God. You know, should you know, is this right? Should have I been, you know, with Luke? Is this what, you know, and I wasn't sure how I was feeling. And I remember that there was this moment that I had with God where he He opened He opened my eyes to understanding that, that love was a choice and that Luke had free choice to love me and that he was loving me and that I had free choice 
to love and and would a bit of a challenge would I love back mm. and so I had a security that both you know God was with me um, in my marriage and that Luke and I spoke often and so you know we were on a journey together and I remember when we first got married um, we got some really good advice from one of our family members who said now I know that you're keen to have children uh, you know, we jumped right along with everything and and they said, wait, you know, just wait a little while and enjoy each other. And I remember back then thinking, oh, that's such good advice and we'd planned to have, ch- you know, planned to try for children quite early. When I was young, I'd been told by a doctor that I may not be able to have children mm. and so I thought, you know, sooner the better um, to try just in case it takes a long time if it, if it can at all. And so, you know, Luke and I took that to a discussion and decided, okay, three months. We'll wait three months. That's a long time. And so we um, we waited that three months before we we started trying. And then by the end of that month, I was pregnant with my with my first child. So it didn't take long at all. <laughs> it's amazing uh, how that happens, isn't it? But, uh, you hear this story so often with people who are told that uh, they might not be able to have children and. And I know another friend who was told they'd never be able to have children. And then, you know, later in life, I, I think, you know, mid to late 30s, then uh, she ends up pregnant with twins. It's amazing. And what a, what a surprise that would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to go back a little bit to Mika. Um, this is not in your notes here, but I just wanted to ask you a question. You know, sometimes you said it's a choice to love. And you said that, uh, you know, you had to accept that Luke was choosing to love you and you were choosing to love him. You know, what do you think about, I guess, the idea that that to be loved is also a choice, to be loved? You know, sometimes we have to actually accept the love that somebody has towards us, and, and sometimes that can be hard. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I think that if you, you know, someone can love love you, they can hug you, they can tell you, they can gift they can show that they love you they can do everything and if you've got your wall up that you're not allowing love in you can't be loved Mm. and and that that ends up you know dying there's a part of you that dies in that and Mm. there's a part that dies in the other person trying to love you Mm. and so definitely it's a problem so it's it's important to allow ourselves to be loved when people are trying to uh, to demonstrate that to us um now you were talking about uh, getting pregnant, so let's let's continue that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, um, yeah, I was pregnant, and uh, I, yeah, I'll tell you a bit uh, a bit of a story that I was about twelve weeks pregnant, and I know that most ladies who fall pregnant those first few weeks can um, include a lot of morning sickness mm. and vomiting, which mine did, and I was still working, um, music teaching three days a week. And so I was still turning up to work and that became fairly normal for me. Um, and so, yeah, when I was about 12 weeks pregnant, um, I was vomiting about normal to what I would expect. I went to work that day and when I was on my way home, I had this thought uh, that was an unusual thought to me, which was you need to go to hospital. Um, and I didn't really have any reason why. 
And so I, I took myself to the hospital and I thought, yeah, you, you might be dehydrated and they'll probably tell you to drink more water. Maybe I should have drank more water. Um, and, yeah, turned up at the hospital and they said to me, yes, you're a bit dehydrated but you're not too bad but just because it's your first baby and to keep you, um, you know, feeling, you know, happy, um, we're not going to just kick you away, we'll listen. And they said, we'll put you on a drip and then in a few hours' time, you know, you can head home. Mm. So that's what happened. Um, I, I I had that drip. And then um, sort of within about an hour hour of that, um, I started to get a have a, a fever that kind of just kept getting higher and higher. And so they decided because I had a fever, maybe I was having some kind of underlying infection and that they would keep me in. Um, they weren't planning to keep me in any more than a few more hours. And then, yeah, by the time uh, my fever spiked, I actually came out with cold sores that had covered from the top of the bridge of my nose right down to my neck and had come out very quickly, like within an hour, um, and all around my mouth. Um, and then I started to have the first signs of ulcers within my throat, which just over those next few days that they kept me in hospital um, developed. Mm. That must have been a pretty shocking thing for that to happen all of a sudden like that. I know, I know um, I don't know whether I've ever had a cold sore, but I know people who have, you know, it's typically something that people have during school or, or whatever, but um, but to have them break out all of a sudden must have been a bit of a, a shock. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big shock to me because I went from feeling pretty good to feeling not very good at all. <laughs> mm. So how did, how did that happen? How did you... Uh, come to get uh, these uh, cold sores that are broken out everywhere? and Well, um, only a few years earlier, uh, be- when I was still in Adelaide, my pa became quite sick and he had the cold sore virus um, come out for the first time all around his mouth and he had a very similar looking um, pr- presentation. Uh, most people know that cold sores can come out on, you know, on your lips, um, mm. but this was quite... Uh, you know, they're extravagant. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember that, yeah, we weren't sure because he was quite sick with another condition um, that, you know, he was he was quite sick. So we thought that he may not make it through the next few days. And so I gave him a kiss on the cheek. Mm. And, yeah, I hadn't thought about that moment again until they asked me and said, oh, have you ever seen this on anybody else? And mm. so I realised. And so they had said to me that, you know, this virus is known to to just lay dorm, dormant within your system and then when you get low enough, um, your immune system gets to a point or you become stressed, those sorts of things where your immune system's compromised to a degree, those things laying dormant become active. And yeah. so with all the vomiting and being early in pregnancy and all the changes in the body, um, it just allowed that virus to wake up and become... Um, active mm, in, in a major way obviously yeah. um, so okay so you're in hospital you've you've now uh, sort of thought about where you might have picked up this virus from um, what happened obviously you're there you're on the drip and uh, you, you're breaking out in these sores what happened next well they originally didn't quite know what to do with me they normally would send you to uh, what they called the medical ward but because they didn't have enough room for me on that ward, they um, put me on 
the surgical ward. So I was taken to surgical ward. And then over that next sort of two weeks um, was sort of the, the time frame for that cold sore virus to come out and then start to heal. So I was on my way to healing. Um, so and that, were you in hospital for all of that time? Yes. Yeah, right, okay. Yep. So in hospital for a few weeks waiting for this to uh, um, to get better. And uh, ultimately some other things happened while you were in hospital. But but you were recovering. Yes. So I had been told that I was recovering well, that I'd be going home within a few days and that they were very happy with my progress. And um, I was in a room that had three other patients. And so because it was a surgical ward, we'd have patients come in for day surgery, maybe stay sometimes up to three days and then leave again. And so... Um, you know, I, I got to know over those few weeks the nurses quite well and, and got chatty with the, the patients. And so there was one um, particular night where one of the nurses, um, she actually decided to stay back after she'd finished her shift and give us all uh, icy poles. And so we all had a little bit of a chit-chat, the three three of us that were there at the time, or well, four of us all together, and, and the nurse. And, um, yeah, that was... That was good until I, um, yeah, had a little bit of a turn for the worst. Okay, so you're in hospital um, for a bit longer, and uh, something happened. Now we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk about that after our break, but uh, something actually significant happened after this uh, period of time when you were expecting to go home in not very long. So um, we'll come back to that, but right now we're going to listen to this song and it's called Let Your Love Surround Me. I guess if you're in hospital, you would want to feel like love is surrounding you and I think that's part of our healing process. So this is Stones of Eden, Let Love Surround Me. Tree, it's leaves. 
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tessie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with Tamika Spalding and uh, she's uh, sharing more of her journey and uh, the title is Finding Love and Purpose. But right at this moment we're at the part in her story where she's in hospital and uh, a nurse had just given her an icy pole. She was waiting to go home and uh, the nurse who was staying back after a shift was uh, talking to her. She'd been uh, given an icy pole and then something happened. She started to feel quite unwell. Tell us more about that, Tamega. Yeah, I think initially I didn't really notice I was feeling unwell. Um, the, one of the patients next to me asked me if I was okay and I remember saying, yes, I, I feel fine. And it was only a few seconds after that that um, I sat the icy pole half-eaten um, next, just on the tray next to me, and it became really difficult to speak. I couldn't, um, I could, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't speak. Basically, that what was coming out of my mouth um, couldn't be understood. And then I started to feel uh, sort of dizzy and lightheaded and sort of confused, I, I, I guess. And I, I don't remember a lot about it other than um, the nurse that was there. Uh, rang the the buzzer and kept ringing it and so I could hear that ringing in the background and there were other nurses that came in and she yelled out and asked for the crash cart 
and um, she said, I'm, she, she was asking me to look at her and um, she said, I'm going to take your, your top off because I'm going to hook you up to a, a machine. Um, she wanted to check my heart, heart rate, I, I guess. Um, but what I felt was somebody else coming in under her and ripped my, sh- my shirt off. And, yeah, I, I don't remember um, a lot about that other than the nurse looked at me in perhaps a way that I don't think I'd ever been looked at before and, um, and was very, very fearful um, and cared a lot. She, was, she would ask me, you know, keep looking at me, um, and it was in a you know a split second really, but um, it was it was a it was a look where I had felt seen, and that suddenly you know if I if I was going to you know not make it, someone had actually really cared, mm. and um, that was quite a confronting situation for me, um, and and it's it stuck with me. Um, now as well actually yeah, as, as, you, as you're telling your story you know it it sounds it i can imagine this as a um as a a tv program you know some of these medical programs where you know people are, are surrounding and getting all the equipment ready and you know it's uh it sounds like quite a an experience there <laughs> and you know i i i avoid sharing this story for the um yeah, for that very reason, because mm. it's a bit dramatic. Mm. And the reason I, I chose to speak about it today is because it's had such a profound effect on me. Mm. Um, yeah. So do they know what happened? What, what was the cause of what was going on here? Yeah, so the virus had actually stayed active in my system and um, what normally happens with with the cold sores is that they spread through um, your skin and, and cert, you know come out as a, a blister on your skin and... What the virus had done was travel to my brain and cause inflammation on my brain, um, which is called encephalitis or encephalitis. I'm not really sure. I've heard you know doctors tell me that it's called both of those names, but mm-hmm. you know that's that's what's that yeah that's what had happened. And so, what was the outcome of that? So, there's the inflammation of the brain that can be mm. quite serious, can it? Yeah, so I was taken to, um, so the hospital I was in was just my local smaller hospital and so they took me by ambulance to a larger hospital and I stayed in ICU for several days and then um, they moved me to the maternity ward and um, in that, that same larger hospital and I was there for um, a, just over a week uh, and so they, you know, were checking on... Um, me obviously but they were also doing ultrasounds on my baby and making sure that that my baby still had a heartbeat um, I was still having quite high fevers so they were worried um, that something could happen there which which didn't thankfully um, and then they brought me back in a stable condition to the local hospital thinking that I had you know I was on my way to recovering when I um, went to hop out of bed um not long after I'd been returned to to the smaller hospital and I fell to the ground. Um, And that was the beginning of quite a long journey of um, basically learning how to walk again. And what had happened is that the area that the cold sore virus had affected was mainly in my cerebellum, which is my balance area um, of the brain. Mm -hmm. And so even though I knew how to stand up and I knew how to walk, I physically couldn't do that Mm, mm. so that was 
that was the beginning of yeah of doing a lot of physio and um, Re- daily swims. Re- rehabilitation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you had that experience with the nurse who looked at you, who who expressed in a in an unspoken way that she cared for you, uh, and that's really stuck with you. But uh, you mentioned here in your notes that somehow that sort of affected your ongoing journey. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I think because I was so insecure uh, with. Well, at that time, a lot of the time I felt quite unlovable and, you know, I can doubt myself um, a lot and, you know, you ask those questions, am I important, am I um, worthy of love, am am I lovable, Am, am I valuable, all those questions and in that moment that that nurse looked at me, I felt... I felt seen and that was confronting because I knew that she I'd sort of confused it for a moment with love she loved me she cared about me so much that she put her a hundred percent effort into helping me mm-hmm. but it wasn't love because I knew that she went home and once I left the hospital she would never call me again and you know, is that what love looks like? And so, um, you know, I, physically I was was healing, but mentally um, it was, there was, it was some, a confusing time. There were some struggles there. And it, it's it's funny, isn't it, how our, our thoughts and our brains can um, get all mixed up in, yes. in challenging times like this, um, particularly yeah. if you've struggled in the past with, you know, self-worth or a sense of... Um, you know who you are in in terms of you know who who God uh, believes you are as well. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we've got about another minute before we go to a break. So what else have you got to share just here um, before we do that? Yeah, I think when I came to hospital, I I loved. Well, anyone who knows me knows that I love to talk to the people that are around me and I I think that God allowed certain patients to be roomed in with me because um, as I'll share very soon uh, there were some relationships that I, I formed friendships that I formed just while I was in hospital that really helped me to unpack some of those those things that I had um, with love and how to understand them better and to be able to see God um, through that mm. yeah amazing Well, we've got a free book offer today and we'd like to give this away to you. Uh, We've just got three copies of this. So uh, the first three in will receive a copy of this book and it's called In the Light of God's Love, written by Ty Gibson. Every now and then a book is written that penetrates beyond the head and speaks to the innermost heart. Page by page, the reader senses the distinct moving of God's spirit. Christ in all his matchless glory is exalted until self fades into insignificance. In the Light of God's Love is one of those unusual books. In the first chapter, you will encounter the cross of Jesus with self-forgetful understanding. Riding on the beautiful wave of Calvary's love, each chapter that follows will apply the healing power that love at the practical level of your daily Christian experience. 
personal salvation, obedience, temptation, failure and relationships all are pondered with fresh insight under the illuminating light of divine love. You won't want to put it down once you begin reading this book. So we're going to give you the code to this book right after the break and we've got three copies to give away so the first three in will receive this. This is When It All Goes Quiet. When it all goes quiet And I stop trying To fill all the spaces I remember I hear a still small voice From the one I know Calling me home When it all goes quiet I hear your love calling me I hear your love calling me Nothing sounds as sweet When it all goes quiet When it all goes quiet You remind me Nothing separates us Apart from when I turn away Cause I am your child You reconcile us And you feel nothing for me but love Where do I hide? I hear your love calling me I hear your love calling me Nothing sounds as sweet when it all goes quiet And I've been lonely Cause I forgot you And who you really are You're not like me Love never failing You're just waiting Always hoping that I'd remember That I would hear you Calling me, I hear your love calling me. Nothing sounds as sweet when it all goes quiet. I hear your love calling me. I hear your love calling me. Nothing sounds as sweet when it all goes quiet. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And we're finishing up our program today talking with Tamika Spalding on finding love and purpose. This is part two of a three-part series. And uh, we'll, we'll be talking more with Tamika next week as well. Now, before the break, we talked about a book, our free book giveaway today. It's called In the Light of God's Love. We've got just three copies to give away. And the code for that book offer today is CONNECT and the number 8. 
So if you'd like to claim that, we'd love to get this book out to you. Text in CONNECT number 8, no spaces, C-O-N-N-E-C-T to 0488-880-891. That's CONNECT 8 to 0488-880-891. Tameka, we were in the hospital still um, after your really bad turn, I guess, with encephalitis. And uh, you were spending time in the hospital and you had some other ladies in your ward and uh, you got to talking to them. So tell us uh, a little bit about what you learned through those discussions. Yeah, well, after, um, as I said earlier, I was on the surgical ward and so most people came in um, just for a day surgery and then would leave again. So um, I, I spent 12 weeks in hospital altogether and so I saw a lot of patients come and go and spoke to a lot of them and actually they were always open to discussing uh, love because I was a newlywed so it kind of just came up naturally and also um, about God and it didn't matter whether they actually believed in God or or they um, had a very strong faith there was always a really um, a really positive discussion that I would would have with people and there were two ladies in particular who stayed in the hospital longer. They were a bit like me um, in that they didn't really belong in the surgical ward either. They weren't surgical patients and the hospital didn't know where else to send them, so brought them in in with me. Um, and so there was, our, yeah, us, us in that room. And one of the ladies uh, I got quite close to over the, the few weeks we were together and she was a teacher um, in her she was an older lady and in her younger years she was a teacher she was also um, a church leader a youth leader and she did a lot of children's ministry activities with with young children and so uh, we had a lot that we could talk about together mm. and she she came into the hospital uh, not not all all that sick looking and she declined quite quite quickly over those few weeks and she had a a very deep strong love with her husband they'd been married for a very long time um she she got married when um she was 16 and a half and had permission to marry and i I remember she she actually coded um several times and they would have to bring her back and after that happened several times she really um they, they, the, the nurses and doctors and, and her were starting to discuss, you know, is this the best thing? And I remember thinking it's always, it's always the right thing to bring someone back to life if you can. Mm. And over the course of watching her deteriorate, I realised there is a time that that death happens. And she was in love with her husband so much that um, she didn't want to leave him and she knew that he wouldn't want her to leave. And so she didn't know how to have this conversation um, with her with her husband, and so she would um, she'd have these nightmares during the night and wake up worrying about it, and then she'd call out for me, and I'd push myself off the bed and into the wheelchair and come over, and she'd put her hand out and I'd hold her hand, and we'd talk about it and pray together about it. Um, she, was, she loved God, and we had beautiful discussions, 
and and so in the end I ended up talking to her husband and and they signed forms and and the hospital started to realize that that she and I were quite close and as she got progressively worse in her last few days they actually shifted her to a private room and there was another lady who um who I got quite close to as well she was 91 and um her name was Britannia and she was lovely. She What she used to do was she would go to the hallway and look and see if any of the nurses were around. And if, if the nurses weren't around, she'd either go up and she'd visit this lady that, that was quite sick or she'd say to me, the coast is clear, uh, you go. And so I'd wheel myself up in the wheelchair and I'd go and visit and she'd cover for me. And because I struggled to walk, I took forever in the toilet. And so one of the covers that she'd say is, oh, Tamika's still in the toilet. And, um, you know, either either I came back and got away with it or sometimes I got caught by the nurses. But both of us were making trips up to see this lady. And now that Britannia had, um, you know, we often talked about love as well and her worry was that she was old, a lot of her friends and family had passed away and she thought, if I pass away, that's it. No one, you know, will love me anymore. I'm just a distant memory that will fade. I'll be forgotten. I'm not important. And so she had a a different um, issue to feeling unloved. And basically, um, I realised, you know, that God really taught me that love is messy and that we all have our own experiences and our own baggage and we um you know we we all have a different idea of what love is mm. and what love will be like if it's lost and um yeah so so during this you know at the beginning of the program and we haven't talked an awful lot about this at the moment but um we said that we'd be talking about how this relates to God's love. So what did you learn in this experience about uh, God's love and God's love for you? Well, I learned that, you know, our worth comes from God, that whether we're alive or that we've passed away, that whether we're in a relationship with someone who loves us or whether we've been abused or hurt, that no matter what has happened to us, um, human Humans are always going to fail us and we all carry our own baggage. But God, God is, you know, he has a different type of love, a never-ending love that's secure and it's safe and unconditional. And so, you know, rather than looking at love between, you know, people, um, for us to really understand that true love, we must come to God um, and, and see ourselves um, the way God sees us so that we can have um Love for ourselves, a godly love, mm. a healthy love, and that that's not a uh, that's not an inflated sense like an ego, but but it's a genuine love of self in the context that we are loved by God, and therefore we um, can be okay with ourselves. You know, we don't <laughs> we don't have to uh, put ourselves down all the time and uh, and think that we're worthless because that's we have right. value in God. We have value. Yeah, and what I love is that Britannia lived quite a few years um, after, and, and we got to meet her after um, after we all went home from hospital. And um, my daughter's middle name, um, my second daughter's middle name, is Britannia, um, because I wanted to um, remember this remember moment her, and yeah. and remember mm. her. Mm. So, 
when mm. I get the chance, I always call her by name. Mm. So um, is there a passage of scripture or something that uh, really stands out to you that uh, summarises this uh, experience? Yeah, well, it's really hard for us to describe God's love. Um, but this passage that I found in Ephesians three fourteen to 19, you know, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father um, of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Holy Spirit in, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know that the love of God which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Mm. That's fantastic. And it reminds me that uh, where it says that width, length and depth, I think there's another passage in Romans that talks about there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, it's uh, it's it's powerful that uh, we we might feel distant to God, but nothing can separate us from His love. Now, to make it just briefly, what uh, we've got the part three of this uh, uh, series that you've been doing, finding love and purpose. Um, give us a teaser as to what's coming next week. Well, we've done two programs all about love, and. Um the the program title is Love and Purpose. So mm. next time we're going to actually be talking about purpose and God's purpose for us and, and our lives. Okay, so we do encourage you to join in next week on Friday uh, and listen to Finding Love and Purpose, Part 3, with Tamika Spalding and myself on Connecting the Dots. Um, now, of course, on Monday we've got David Leo continuing his series, Encounters with Jesus, and remember our book offer today, In the Light of God's Love. It's a wonderful book. We'd love you to get a copy, but we do only have three copies to give away. So the first three in for today's offer, Connect8 is the code. Send that in to 488 891 Now, Tamika, um, I'm going to ask you... One thing just before we go, and uh, I haven't prepped you for this, so this is on the on the spur of the moment. What is your favourite Bible verse that really speaks to you in terms of God's love? Apart from the one that you've just read, is there another Bible verse that uh, comes to mind? Well, I find um, Habakkuk 3.19 is one of my favourites, and it says, The Lord God is your strength. He will make your feet like deer's feet. And he will make you walk on your high places. And I think that love has a lot to do with, um, uh, you know, God's God's strength. And um, and yeah, I I find that quite a um, encouraging Bible verse. Amen. <laughs> well, this uh, song that we're going to go out with is called "You Cannot Lose My Love." Thanks, Tamika. We will talk to you again next week. 